It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Chris Walker, who is CEO at Refine Labs. And in this episode, we're talking about category evangelism and the modern marketing playbook to grow pipeline and revenue. Now, Chris has started a bit of a marketing revolution recently. He is host of the hugely popular Demand Gen Live series, as well as the State of Demand Gen podcast. Forbes described him as the B2B demand generation guru every Series C company should be listening to. And so we were thrilled to have Chris on the show to break down what B2B marketers should be doing to grow their companies and their careers. We start off by covering the limitations of the traditional view of demand gen, including why you shouldn't center on lead gen, why you need to move away from demand capture to demand creation, and where we went wrong with attribution. Then we move to the modern playbook for successful demand gen, which covers how to know your customer better than anybody else, how to win in dark social, and why category evangelism is the future of marketing, which is actually a term Chris dropped for the first time here during our chat. So strap yourselves in because here we go with episode 82 of the Growth of Podcast with Chris Walker, CEO at Refine Labs. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Walker to the show, who is CEO at Refine Labs. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Edward, great to be on the show. I'm looking forward to diving in here. Yeah, and I'm excited for this. And I know a lot of our listeners are, as I've had several people say we need to get you on the show. So here we are, and we're ripping into demand gen and breaking down the marketing playbook to grow pipeline and revenue, which when all is said and done, that's what marketing is about at the end of the day. But before digging into that, I want to take a step back and hear your thoughts about what we shouldn't be doing first. And one thing you've seen is marketing teams focusing more on lead gen rather than demand gen. So talk us through the difference and why lead gen is the wrong thing to focus on. Um, Yeah, for sure. If we want to take even a step back further, the only thing that you shouldn't be doing are things that don't work for your customer. Um, And so the number one gap that I see as I interact with people is that we're we're not involving our customers. When I say customer, I mean the market, customers, prospective customers, whoever you're trying to have become a customer, involving them in the details so that you understand them well enough to figure out exactly where you want to market. And so when I stopped running lead gen in 2017, the reason was because it was twofold. It was one, because my buyers told me that they didn't buy that way and that they didn't want to be called from a sales rep unless they actually wanted to buy something when they signaled it to us in certain ways. So one was from the customer side and the second side was from the business side because we were running lead gen and it literally wasn't driving results. And we were getting negative feedback from our sales team, like, hey, these people aren't ready to buy. They're not answering our calls. They're not, um, they're saying that they never remember filling out this form. And so from both angles, from the business side and from the customer research side, it's indicating, hey, this stuff, uh, this stuff maybe isn't working 
for our buyers anymore. Um, and then I went on to, uh, to figure out that there's a basically a new way to do marketing, which isn't focused around generating a high volume of leads. It's focusing on basically moving a, your entire market through a buying process at scale by putting out content and information in a lot of different channels so that they learn things over time. And then when they enter your pipeline, they really want to talk to sales and the sales rep's job is not to convince someone that they should buy. The sales rep's job is to help someone buy what they want to buy. Yeah, absolutely. I think another issue tied to this is teams focusing too far down the funnel on demand capture or trying to push people through to sale who are not in a buying cycle and not on demand gen higher up the funnel. So what's the difference between demand capture and demand gen? And why should demand teams be operating much higher up the funnel than they probably are? Yeah, generally demand gen has a very confusing uh, like definition in the market where some people think it's outbound sales, some people think it's lead gen, some people think it's what we do. They're all very different. And so the core, like the core difference is whether whether somebody's looking to buy what you're selling or not. And so um, a couple of easy examples we'll use. Mm, we we'll use eyeglasses as an example. So before um, glasses were invented, there were people that just didn't have very good vision. And at some point, people needed to be, become aware of the problem that they didn't have good vision and they had to be aware that there were solutions called eyeglasses. So you can imagine before there were glasses, people didn't know that there were a solution. They weren't looking for anything. They needed to be aware that they were there. That's creating demand, is making people aware that there's a problem and that there's a solution and driving them to consider buying that solution. And then once people are aware that, they're, that they have a problem and that there are eyeglasses, then they're going to go into certain places and look to purchase or otherwise acquire eyeglasses. Back in the day when eyeglasses got invented, I don't know where they were going, maybe the eye doctors or things like that. But today they're going to Google search, they're looking for SaaS, they're looking at review sites, they're looking at, they're talking to their peers in certain places, they're going to your website. And so there's two different things. It's I, like, I've learned that I need to go get eyeglasses and then it's, once they're looking for eyeglasses, are they going to go into your store? And that's the difference. So your store is the capture and the I need eyeglasses is the creation. And the creation is challenging to measure, mainly to measure. Um, and that's why a lot of companies don't do it. And so I, I don't think that this is a, a misalignment of we don't think that we should be creating demand. It's an, a misalignment of we don't know how to measure it. And so our CFO is not going to let us do that, that type of stuff, but don't be confused is the creating demand is where you drive your category and your business and how you become a category leader. And so I think people should really think about how they're doing that today. And maybe we'll go into some tactics later about the things that are working best for us right now. But, um, there's a clear distinction about whether you're creating demand or capturing demand. And I find that most software companies only focus on capturing demand which means they're just waiting around for someone to realize that they need a solution like yours. Yeah, absolutely. And there you, on the measurement piece uh, that you brought up. So attribution is another issue that can potentially make marketing teams focus on the wrong things. And you've spoken about the attribution mirage in B2B marketing. So can you open up on that? <laughs> the attribution mirage is something that I've been uh, seeing 
anecdotally since about 2014 when I was running e-commerce marketing, then saw it again in 2017 when I was running B2B for a high growth medical technology company. And over the past three years, I've seen it at scale at more than 50 B2B SaaS companies, all the same thing, which is that B2B companies are looking mainly at software-based attribution in order to measure what things are working and in order to drive strategy decisions. And they're getting a limited view of what's actually happening, which lead to the mirage. The mirage being that attribution software overweights and favors certain channels where buyers are ready to buy, where you're capturing demand, specifically search, paid and organic, direct traffic, review sites, and other lead aggregators or affiliates, which then move companies to think that those are the things that are working. So they move budget and focus and things only into capturing demand channels because the creating demand ones are not accurately measured by attribution software. The best captured demand channels that are working right now, you know, back in the day, that would have been television, radio, other things like that, that would be difficult to measure. Um, and today they're digital channels. So companies think, oh, they're digital. Our attribution software is going to measure them, but nope. We have what we call dark social here, which would include the main ones being content platforms like Spotify or YouTube, social networks like LinkedIn or anything like that, communities, and direct word of mouth. Those four things are being almost non-existent tracking inside of, uh, inside of attribution software. And it's where all B2B buying and discovery and research is happening. And so that's, that's the mirage. You're getting a sense of these are the things that are working for me based on what my software is telling me. However, it's just what software is measuring. And, and the big conclusion that I've tried to help people understand recently is that attribution is the goal of it is to look at what to, for marketers to look at what are the things that we're doing and how much are they driving the, the impact that we're trying to measure. And people have over the past 10 years converged on the idea that software is the only way to get that done, which is not true. There's plenty of ways to do it. So we add other additional layers like qualitative market research with customers, which by the way, you should be doing anyway, a lot of it. Um, we've implemented self-reported attribution on our website and a lot of the customers' websites where buyers, when they convert on a demo form, tell us how they heard about us. And when they tell you how they heard about you, it's typically the most impactful channel that drove their buying decision. And the things that you get there from a far majority, referrals, word of mouth, community, social networks, content platforms. Um, you could do win-loss analysis. There's plenty of other qualitative customer research methods in order to do it. But companies don't do those things. So they just look at software. And I think they get a very biased view of what's actually happening in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go from here then to the new playbook. And I want to go back a few years in, in your career and your aha moment came when you were working, I believe, in marketing for a healthcare company and you were doing customer research at a hospital. So tell us, what did you notice when observing some of the hospital staff and what was the realization you had on how you should actually be doing marketing? Yeah, so the the to be clear, the secret weapon of a marketer and why I'm able to move from industry to industry and be very successful in a short period of time and driving business growth and interacting with customers is because the only thing that matters is how well you know your customers. And so when I'm working at a company, the things that I want to open up immediately, 
I want to be able to know who the influential people are in the industry that my customers listen to. I want to meet with our top customers. I want to meet with customers that should be customers but are not. So prospective customers and understand what's going on there. I want to have active social channels where I can read comments and different things and I can interact and see what people are saying. And I have those running all the time, which then feed insights and different things like that. And so, and the key was that I was at a hospital. I had these insights opened up. I knew who the influential people were. And I just went into a, uh, a break room at like two in the morning from the ICU. And I just saw what the nurses and respiratory therapists and physicians were doing when they were on a break, which was looking at either Instagram or YouTube. And it wasn't that, that was in 2017. So it could be a little bit different now and what platforms they're looking on and what they're doing. But that was the insight that then drove us back to say, like, these are the places where people are looking. We need to create a video podcast that's going to go on YouTube. We need to be able to run YouTube ads. We need to be able to create content that's going to go on um, Instagram so that when these nurses are looking at Instagram at two in the morning, instead of looking at some picture or looking at some workout, they're reading a clinical trial about our product, about how it could help their patients be, get better outcomes. And so that was the, that was the insight that helped us move to predominantly a content and social focused, um, strategy and not content in the sense of SEO, but like because you think about content and distribution differently, right? So you have the actual content and then you have the distribution. SEO is a distribution channel. Um, and so taking that content and distributing it in the places where people actually are today and where they're actually looking today in awareness mode, which is not search. And so we had focused the, the mix on Facebook and Instagram ads, YouTube ads, a video podcast that went out through email. Um, that drove significant outcomes for that business over the next 18, 24 months. And then they uh, IPO'd. Yeah. And you've said that B2B buying happens in the so-called dark funnel earlier in dark social channels. And that means demand marketers need to be there and align with that. So let's open up on the concept of the dark funnel, which I think is another great concept you brought forward. And, and based on how people buy B2B software today, how should marketing teams do marketing and align with that in a dark funnel world? Yeah, so I, I used to call it dark funnel and then I realized that it needs to be changed because it it's not really a funnel. Um, and so we we I've recalled it dark social because there's no intent happening. I'm there's not in a funnel. They're inside of LinkedIn watching a video or in a community and then they see someone talk about your company or your product. They're not looking they're not in there looking to buy something. They're not in a funnel. They're in social networks that are hard to track. And so we've uh, like literally just re-coined the term. So there's no overlap here. It's just that people are, um, B2B buyers are researching, discovering and evaluating products subconsciously in these social channels, just based on what their peers are doing, saying and sharing. Um, and so I think that's the, the core message that I wanna get across here. And then because it's on a funnel and because there's no intent, you need to act differently. Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at, your own business and some of the best B2B SaaS companies around today in terms of growth and, and marketing execution. What is working and can you pull out some examples of what B2B SaaS marketing teams should be doing? So I think the number one thing that's working and becoming clear is that, and it's just going to sound like a broken record, but it's literally the answer. And I'm just trying to drill it home for people. The people that understand their customers better and the companies that understand their customers the best are the ones that are winning because it drives the, all the things that you see on the outside, the tactics, 
get driven through the customer knowledge and the customer insights and being close to them. And so the, the, like we can go out and lay out tactics, but I want people to be, be clear on the route is that the insights from customers then drive the tactics and the content in order for you to be successful. Um, so customer research, then when you get at a tactic level, I think the key things are, uh, community is a huge one. And so that can be, take a ton of different forms, right? So for a while I had a, I still do, but I built the initial parts of the community on link on LinkedIn, not in a group, not in a Slack channel, not in some like third party platform, but just inside of LinkedIn where people liked my thoughts, people would comment, things like that. Then we eventually turned it into an event and a, and a more developed community. So community is a big one. Um, I hate the, I, the term thought leadership, but I think it's the one that will be clear for people when I say it, it's like, um, putting out content that's actually leading thoughts that people actually want. And so I think the overall term of thought leadership has been watered down because now it gets outsourced to some like SEO firm or something that doesn't actually have leading thoughts, but creating information, maybe a better way to look at that is forget thought leadership. Think about it as category evangelism. I think it's a way, I'm going to use that term. That's the first time I've said that it's a way better term. Um, so category evangelism through people that your buyers trust, which for my company, it's me and the 40 or 50 other people that run demand marketing at B2B SaaS companies in your company. It might be your CFO. It might be your CISO. It depends on who your buyer is and who they trust. So, um, category evangelism would be a second one. The next one that I think we might have to go deeper in so people can actually implement it in effective, but the, the answer is paid social, but the execution is way different than what companies execute on right now. And so the way that I look at it, that's different is instead of using paid social to collect a lead for $50 that almost never buys, which is, if you look at your own data, you'll see it too. They almost never buy. So instead of doing that to change the whole entire model and system where I'm going to go and look at all of my available target accounts, target market. You decide what that is. It could be 250 com companies for some companies. It could be a million accounts for others or a million plus. So you got to figure out what that is. And then my goal is to distribute information to them every day so that they learn more about our category, our company, and our product every single day. And so the comp where the comp that I want to kind of help people understand here, because I think it's super interesting is if, if you take that approach then you're creating scalable distribution of information to all of your customers where right now that gets funneled through one individual sales rep. And so in order for the customer to actually get this information, you're going to go run a lead gen program, get almost none of those people through the funnel to a meeting with your rep and then tell them what you, what you're going to tell them. And instead of doing that, take all the information that you would tell them there, repackage it in a way that they would like, and then distribute it to everyone on social, I think is the modern, like pretty much the modern way to do business development. So those are, uh, those are some of the things that I see working well. Yeah. So coming back to that, so which social channels are you seeing good traction on right now? There's quite a few of them. And so the, the, the initial places where we focus are platforms that have the most scale in b2b um buyer attention because it just frankly will get the results fastest and so the places initially facebook instagram linkedin are the three big ones from a paid standpoint 
Um, then from there, we would go to secondary channels, which would include YouTube, Twitter, potentially Reddit. Um, so that kind of gives you a secondary channel. And then from there, we'd probably go offline. It's time for a commercial. Now, this podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B and Advanced B2B helps B2B SaaS companies from all around the world find their way to sustainable growth through marketing. And we have a special offer for listeners of the Growth Up podcast. You can go to advancedb2b.com slash TGH and get a free assessment of your marketing plus some ideas you'll be able to implement right away. So go to advancedb2b.com slash TGH for more info. Yeah, of course, here. And you spoke about marketing success being about basically how well you know your customer. So how do you go out there and do that research so that you know your customer better than anyone else? Mm -hmm. That's the number one goal of every marketer listening to this podcast is that, and, and I like to be clear for people, this is, it's not a competition, but you should have the mindset of this way that I'm going to understand my customer better than anyone else in the company. It's what I've done for almost the past 10 years of my career, because it's literally the most valuable. All the strategy insights come from this. And the sad thing is that most of your peers never see these insights because they never look for them. And so that's how I've been able to go from like marketing manager to pretty successful CEO over a five-year period of time is because I'm literally just closer to the people that we're selling to and who's going to be our customers than anyone else. And so from a career perspective, I'd encourage you to think about this. Um, when it comes to how you get the insights, I think step one is that you need to be, you need to get to a place where you're viewed as a peer, not a vendor which can be challenging. It can be challenging depending on who you're going after. So, I'll, and people are like, yeah, Chris, you market to marketers, obviously you're a peer. Um, so I'll give the example when we went into healthcare because previously in my career, emergency, these are the types of personas and buyers that we're going after that I can just tell you are, have nothing to do with marketing. Emergency medicine physician, respiratory therapist, um, like water treatment plant operator, um, there's a, you know what I mean? So there's personas that you're going after where you got to figure out how that you can understand them and then you can be seen as a peer. And so that's step one. A lot of that comes down to, I would say the strategies that I would use, I would talk to these people and just be curious and ask questions and try and learn, try and understand what they're doing, how they spend their time, what their goals are, things like that. The next one would be that I would try and as quickly as possible, build meaningful relationships with the people that are influential that, the, that your customers listen to. This is what I did in the, uh, the medical community. I had three people that had major followership and would speak at the major conferences and would present the research and would do the research. And those three people I became good friends with, and they were able to tell me where the market was going, what was happening, why people made these decisions. They could be someone that I had be the speaker of our webinar or they could I could ask them a question of like hey we're working over here and they said this and I didn't really understand it can you help me and so influential people can be a huge huge uh driver for this for you for you to learn customers better and you'd be surprised how quickly you can pick up information there where you can then go and be valuable to the average buyer 
So I think those are two two of them. And then the last one that I would look at is I would try and figure out what communities and social networks are they using. And then I would start like you can go find the influential people, go figure out where they are, who's engaging and start to build out a digital network that way. Yeah. And there seems to be a lot of overlap between this overall approach to demand gen and maybe what traditionally might be considered brand marketing. So what's the difference nowadays between brand marketing and demand gen? that uh, B2B executives think that brand is fluffy and useless. But so um, we're calling this category evangelism, demand gen, things like that. It's literally just a term. And people have used different terms to make people think differently about things for a long time. But just to be clear for everyone, brand and demand are now the same thing. When you're doing it, when you're doing it the right way, brand and demand are the same thing. The only difference is whether you're using paid channels or organic channels. But the distribute, the mindset is the same. The KPIs are the same. The metric, you know, the, the metrics, the generally the content. And so, before in the old way, people used to think about brand as these, the trade show, the um, we're gonna buy this like. Um, spot in the industry magazine, the, um, we're going to, uh, sponsor this conference, right? These things where it was difficult to measure, but they, in 19, let's say in 2005, people had a pretty good sense that they were working. Right. And then over time, what happened over the past 15 years is that those things stopped working, but people kept doing them and chalking it up as brand. And the key thing is that where brand actually gets created has fundamentally shifted from the places like that to dark social and the places that we're talking about here. Yeah, so I'm glad we were able to coin the term category evangelism here on the Growth Up podcast. And uh, one final topic and question I have, you interviewed for several director and VP level roles in the past, and you pitched these companies on your way of marketing and nobody really seem to want it back then. Now it seems everybody wants it. And some of these companies are even coming back to you, but how should listeners of this podcast then go about getting that senior level buy-in to go and run this kind of playbook? Mm -hmm. To be clear for everyone, um, how do I say this? A lot of people want to do demand gen. They think that they do. But when you put it in the way that we do it, people don't because the measurement's hard. It's different. It's, it, you don't get the quick hit of vanity metrics that everyone's been trained to look for. And so while it feels like everyone wants to do this, the actual pool is quite small, which actually creates a massive advantage for the companies and the, and the people that do it this way. I just got a note last night from someone that, from Malaysia who's been listening to the podcast for 12 months, actually implemented in the company and went from manager to director to senior director over a 12 month period of time. So there's people all over the world that are taking this information and, and getting better results and getting better results in their career as well. So um, what was the question? How do you actually go and implement it? How do you get the senior level buy-in? Yeah, so um, I think that there's a couple of ways to do this. I will tell you what my number one is and why when I went out and interviewed for these jobs, I didn't get them is because senior leadership was not aligned to the way that I wanted to do marketing. 
And so if you are in that situation, the easiest thing to do is go to find a new company that already is aligned with what you're doing. It's tough to say. People are like, oh, I don't want to leave my job, things like that. But you don't understand how much faster you will move, how much faster you'll learn, how much better your career will be. If you're in a place where people let you do the things that already believe in them so that you can just go instead of having to stop and justify why we're going to do Facebook ads and then uh, 30 days later, stop and justify why we're going to keep doing it. And then 30 days later, stop and justify why we should go from $1,000 in budget to $2,000 in budget. And those, the justifications never stop. I've been down that rodeo before, no matter how well it's working, no matter things like you just basically get, get slowed down at everything. And so I just want people to consider that because that really is the best option. Um, now let's say that isn't the best option for you for whatever reason. Now you need to figure out how to get leadership on board inside of your existing company. The, um, the number one way that I think in that situation would be to use customer data to help people understand what's actually happening in the world. And so that could be a large scale survey, pick your 100 tier one accounts in your ABM list and then go and do a survey with the decision maker in those accounts about how they buy, where they discover things, what they, what source of information they trust the most, when they want to talk at what stage they want to talk to your sales rep, what they think about your category and your company, things like that. And you're going to get a bunch of interesting data for people to see what's actually going on. Alternatively, you could actually bring executives to a customer meeting and ask them those, you could ask them those exact questions and you, the sample size is different, right? Instead of the hundred survey, you get one, but you get way deeper qualitative insights in there. And I've done that with a CEO before, brought them to a customer meeting with a segment that they thought he thought was the most important and definitely they never wanted to buy from us and just showed them through a 30 minute interview why this segment of customers is never going to buy our product. And so those are a couple of ways to, uh, to get people on board. Awesome. Awesome. This was super good. And Chris, we could actually move to our closing questions. We wrap up with our fast five challenge. I told you I was going to put you on the spot. So I'm going to ask it. you five questions and, and the goal here is just to answer as quickly as you can. Um, so you're ready for these. Let's do it. All right. So first question, what is the one book you would recommend others to read? Mastery by Robert Greene. Second question, a SaaS company you love and why? I don't really have, I don't really have a ton of favorites. <laughs> Third question, favorite place to learn about marketing online? Mm, the State of Demand Gen podcast. Fourth question, most important growth metric? Revenue. Final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? Understand your customers deeply. Awesome. There you have it. Well, Chris, this was insanely cool and we really really appreciate having you on the growth of podcast today this was awesome edward thanks for having me that was chris walker on category evangelism and the modern marketing playbook to grow pipeline and revenue so thank you so much for listening and if you're enjoying the show we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on apple podcasts or wherever you listen and as ever you're always welcome to reach out to me on twitter at nordic edward or connect on linkedin so thank you so much for listening to the growth of podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency advanced b2b this is your host edward ford signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything b2b SaaS growth it's our job to tell better stories and always remember it's the risk takers that are rewarded sick and tired of me.
story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different